0: Tennessee-Auburn tonight inside of Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. Feel the excitement. It's a stretch run we've been waiting for, the final four games. It is now time to go out and accomplish your goals. Tennessee controls its own destiny, in my opinion. Tennessee controls its own destiny. You win the SEC championship by winning out, of course. I also think going 4-0 gets you a one seed. I guess that's the thing about college basketball. I guess every team could say they control their own destiny ultimately, right? Like, hey, even if you're like 6-25 and right now, if you win out, you are the national champion. You, you do technically control your own destiny, I guess, but Tennessee... Controls it for the conference title and for getting the elusive number one seed that has eluded Tennessee for its entirety of a as a program, which I think gives you a pretty big leg up on your quest for a Final Four and even a national championship. All that is right ahead of you, and it begins tonight. Tennessee, last I saw, five and a half point favorites. Bob, your thoughts?
1: Doesn't get much bigger. This We've been talking about it already, these uh, last four games. Incredibly important, and you're right. They, they control their destiny, and at the same time, it feels to me that if we've talked about whether we think they could go 4-0 or 3-1 and what their prospects would be to still win the conference... If they were three and one, if that one is tonight, they're in trouble. I think. I think that's going to be hard because of what Auburn has in front of them with their schedule. So this is—they're all big games, but there's a lot of ways you could look at it. This one's the biggest, um, right? Because it's the first one, and also the other intangibles. It's Bruce coming back home. It's you know, a team that that Barnes has had a little bit of trouble with over the you know past few seasons. We've got that game to point to. Uh, the last Auburn game here, I believe, was the one that was like uh, felt like a tooth extraction. I mean, it was forty-six to forty-eight. I think. Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. So, uh, yeah, it's this is uh, this is a big one tonight. Don't forget Stephen. <laughs> yes. Yes. Stephen Pearl, coach in waiting. I don't know why I so confidently said forty six to forty eight. It was forty six to forty three, even worse. I gave us five too many points in the game, and <laughs> I for I haven't looked at it, but as I recall, I mean the first half score was I mean they actually turned it up a little. I thought in the second half to make it that final score, but I don't recall for sure.
0: Yeah, it was twenty three to nineteen at halftime. <sighs> God. Tennessee scored twenty three in both halves, so we were consistent. But Auburn, Auburn played a little bit better in the second half and scored five more points. But no, you're exactly right, Bob. This is a bigger game than Tennessee-Alabama. In in terms of, well, that feels it feels wrong to say. But I mean, if you lose tonight, you're not winning the SEC championship. I do feel confident about that. Yeah. If you win tonight and lose at Alabama, I think you have a, you still have a better chance of winning. The SEC championship. So, yeah, no, this game is bigger, which is weird because, you know, it's the team you're tied with this weekend versus the team you're ahead of going into tonight. But, but yeah, you, you got to win tonight. It's bigger than the one against Alabama. Not from a national, like, seeding standpoint, I don't think. Going on the road is going to carry more weight than, than being at home, but also being at home puts more pressure on you. If you lose Saturday at Alabama, I think people understand it's tough to win in college basketball. If you lose tonight at home to your former coach, who has, who has kind of kicked your ass, that that's deflating. I think he's beat you seven of the last nine times.
1: That's right. That's what I saw, too.
0: You're You're two and seven <clears throat> against Coach Pearl. That uh it's not good, obviously. It's bad. Now you have won two of the last three. you you've won two in a row in Knoxville. You're getting a little bit of a a scheduling quirk where you get three of four in Knoxville, which is nice. Yeah, take advantage of it. This is a scheduling benefit. It's a huge game tonight. I assume you're going to be in the building, Bob? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you say you were? I am. I I plan on being in the building. Sam? Yeah, I think I am going to be there. Wow, the morning show going to be representing. What do you mean you fake? You don't know? You don't know about class or something? Yeah, I've got a ticket.
2: I just haven't really talked to my buddies yet, but I'm sure they'll be going, so we'll go. Would you go alone? Probably not. Why not? I'd probably rather just watch it with like a nice dinner in front of myself at my TV if I'm just going alone. If I'm being quite honest, you're too old to be thinking that way. Or wait, 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 wait—you're too young young to be thinking that way. You're not (laughs) old enough to be thinking that way. Maybe, yeah, maybe. This could be a court storming
1: opportunity for you. (laughs) I don't want to get arrested. (laughs) Yeah, I know.
0: I don't think it's a court storming opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, but it's a chance for you to make some new friends. Yeah, maybe find a lover. Sure. You know, maybe create a, a core memory of, uh, you
2: know, of your at least your senior year. Yeah, I mean, I'll be going. I'll be going.
1: I think we just guilted him into it. He's going.
0: I don't know. We said that, he said that about LSU, and he ended up going. Right? Was it LSU or was it South Carolina? South Carolina. Yeah, which maybe was a good thing, or maybe you would have made the difference. Maybe you would have been True. there, and, and, and the boys would have played
2: better. True. We haven't lost to a game I've been to so far.
1: Well, there you go. Oh, A&M, too. You blew that off. Yeah, too much golf.
0: You just you're starting balled up, Sam. <laughs> you got these free tickets at your disposal. You just can't be bothered to go to the stadium? I guess. You don't want to go to the arena and watch the, the A&M boys. game in
2: my defense. I was too late to the I was my tee time ended way too close to my the start of the game. Well, I I know that's what it's called, but I, it always just makes me cringe when people
0: say my tee time. <laughs> My golf appointments, my, my tee time. What do you want me to say? I don't know.
2: My, it's ro- not you. My round. My yeah, round my round. That would probably been a
0: little better. I was playing golf is what I would want you to say. Sure. I was, we were a little late playing golf. I was golf. finishing
2: up my round, yeah. Yeah, I
0: was, sure. I was playing golf. That's all you got to say. Okay. I, I know you didn't create the phrase, my tee time, <laughs> but it, it always just it irks me. My round of
1: the majestic game <laughs> ended too late. My tee time.
0: Anyways, so, yeah, you you weren't there for A&M. Now you look up. You only got two games left of your college career, by the way. I don't know why this bothers me more than it bothers you.
2: Yeah. I feel like I've graduated, like, twice already. That's kind of my big problem. Okay. Like, I lived next to seniors when I was a junior, and I was friends with all them, so I kind of, like, graduated with them, and then all my buddies left last year, and then now I'm here in my fifth year doing, you know, sports management major and all that stuff redoing another year of school so I'm just kind of feel like I've run like three victory laps by now fair
1: enough I can relate I remember at the end like the last semester that's all I wanted to do was be done and get out
2: I mean I, I still absolutely love free basketball games like I'm sure I'm positive next year I'm gonna be kicking myself like man just go back to school and get some more free tickets. <laughs> well,
0: I understand not being fired up for South Carolina at the time. I understand for not moving around your tea time to, to watch Texas <laughs> A&M on a Saturday night. I get that, but we're, we're talking about
2: a top 10 matchup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's or nothing least, better to do on a Wednesday. You know, I don't know where Auburn
0: comes in ranked. Where are they ranked 11, in the AP poll right 11. now? 11. Yeah, 11. but like a top 10 matchup when you look at the metrics and such. Top 11 matchup in the AP polls.
2: That's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. Does Bruce mean anything to you? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not, like, as much, but it, he means something to me.
0: Okay. I didn't know if, if, how aware you were of Tennessee basketball. Definitely was
2: aware, but not, like, passionate yet, I feel sure. like. Yeah. Okay. Means a lot to me. I mean, that's oh, kind of yeah. the first. Yeah, I'm sure. Or at least the second,
0: you know, like, because I, I cared about the Jerry Green teams. Tony Harris teams and such, I really like those as a as a young boy. But, you know, of course, then there was a dead period with Buzz before you got the, the the revitalization, the resurrection of the program with, with Bruce. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that he holds a special place in their heart. I, I'm not that way at this point. I, I appreciate the memories, but I, I don't like Bruce anymore. There's a lot of people out there who still love him and want him to be the coach here. I'm, yeah. I'm not there. You're He's, not in the
2: camp of wanting no, him back? No,
0: no, no. I mean, I wanted him back when Conzo was here. Sure. But not, like, after Barnes. Right. No, no, no. Conzo. No. I was like, sure. Like, that was more so, like, I just want Conzo gone and, like, Bruce was coming off of his punishment. You're like, okay, yeah, like, this guy wants to be here. And at that point, you kind of worried about the state of your program moving forward, like, if you were going to just die as a program. Which I was thinking that last night during the Kentucky game of just I was looking at Mississippi State's record and I was like, ugh, un-, you know, basically right at 500 in SEC play. That's disgusting. And I was like, I would hate to go back to that, to where you're like, oh, we're 19 and 12, and you know, eight and eight in the SEC. That's pretty solid. We can go spoil someone here. <laughs> yeah, like we're right <laughs> on the bubble. Like we got win at home. These home games really matter. And blah blah blah. It's nice to not have to worry about that. And and that's where we're you know. Barnes has gotten us solidified to where we're looking at championships and one seeds and not bubbles and and trying to get a double bye. You know, trying to avoid a certain matchup on Thursday if not to because hey, we got to have at least one win in the SEC tournament if we're going to make it. That was our life under Conzo. So like, yeah, I was. I don't know if I actually signed the petition. I might have. I've been like twelve or not 12, 22 at the time. You would sign a petition right now, probably, if you were sure. in that position. You're a young boy. It takes five seconds. Yeah, it takes five seconds. Exactly. It <laughs> takes five seconds, and, you know, whatever. You were fed up. What about you, Bob?
1: Um, as far as what? As far as Bruce having a place in your life. <clears throat> I was very appreciative of what he resurrected this program. There's no question about it. And it was fun, but I think people would also tend to forget there were some real train wreck Parts of seasons with him as coach too. We had him, uh, particularly towards the end. Um, so as much, I've never really pined for him to be back. I definitely was not loving the years with Conzo, even though they made the Sweet Sixteen. It felt like it was awfully hard to get there, and um, harder than you would think it would be with that much talent. Um, and and certainly then. <laughs> You know the Tyndall year. I actually think Donnie Tyndall was a good coach, like an X's and O's coach. I think he's a great X's yeah, and O's coach. Yeah, but there was just obviously there was some uh, there was some baggage that we uh, didn't vet at the beginning, and um, so I always feel that we were fortunate to get someone of Barnes's caliber in here. And we'll hear it if Tennessee happens to lose tonight, man. You'll hear all of a sudden there's they'll be coming out of the woodwork again that you know. Bruce is, Bruce, that should be Bruce here. You know, I'm just, he's, I don't want to say he's dead to me, but I have no desire for him to be back here. I, I really don't.
0: No, yeah, I mean, I—that I, that ship has sailed for me. You know, even if Rick Barnes retired tomorrow, I wouldn't say go get Bruce back. Right. I, I'd be, you know. I wouldn't be on that in that camp you'll have some people in the fan base that even if tennessee wins about 50 points tonight will still say they won
1: there was we had First a caller night. on the sunday show that i still do um that brought it up that if barnes either a retires because of a you know they get to the final four or maybe win it all uh or b if you know he has another you know run in the tournament that's short you know just a game or not you know or two maybe uh, do we start looking for a new coach? And wouldn't we be looking at Bruce Pearl? That came up, and I was just like, I, I guess, but I, I just, I don't get it. That's all.
0: Now, with that being said, Sam, if, if you know Barnes does win a national championship retires, and they did hire Bruce, I wouldn't like be upset about it, but I wouldn't be like pining for it. I wouldn't be leading the charge for it or anything. Right. But if it if it happens, like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, because I mean, he is a good coach. Yeah. What he's done at Auburn is, is. Kind of remarkable. I mean, Auburn basketball has pretty much been a nothing for the entirety of its existence, or at least since Charles Barkley. I know they had a couple years in the '90s, I believe, where they were pretty good, but outside of that, the 20 years before Bruce got there, the maybe the 15 years before he got there, they were pretty much an afterthought, a laughing stock.
1: I mean, there's all those statistics you can point to. I agree with what you just said, and there's all those statistics you can point to as well that uh, what he did at Tennessee, what he's done at Auburn. That's what he excels at. He's, like, uh, to me, he's like a premier marketer, you know, of, of, a, of a program and great recruiter, all of those things. X's and O's coach, some people think he's elite. I don't fully agree. I know he's got Barnes's number, and I know they got to a Final Four, but I, I've also seen instances where he's gone up against other coaches and, you know, uh, Mark Few comes to mind. Kevin O'Neill comes to mind. Uh, those guys would – just you know run circles around him in games and for in terms of game plan etc the other thing too is again we know he got he got Auburn to a final four um, and it's been pretty well chronicled but I don't have it in front of me but if you look at his tournament performance or Auburn's tournament performance the past couple of years uh, it's pretty much early exits yeah they've been disappointing they've been disappointing but you know, I
0: don't want to go and just call him just a marketer at this point because he is in year 10 at Auburn. At Tennessee, God, you could, that's hard to believe. Yeah, at Tennessee you could say that, like, hey, you know, it was easy to come in here and, and just play an exciting brand of basketball. And, and you could say that it wasn't really sustained at Tennessee. You know, the last year was not good. I mean, you were 19 and 14 heading into the tournament, and then we're one and done. So, <laughs> and I know there was suspensions and, and dealing with that fallout, but – it's kind of crazy that nineteen and fourteen you were what like an eight seed in that
1: tournament. Yes, yeah, or nine seed, whatever it was. It was a nine matchup, right? Was,
0: yeah. So like, it's, that's kind of crazy that nineteen and fourteen got you to be that seed, <laughs> and rather than like you know a little bit lower in the play in situation. But at Auburn, like if he'd have left after the Final Four, you could say, okay, yeah, he just did kind of the same marketing thing, and he went to somewhere bigger and better. But I give him credit. Auburn hasn't been aesthetically pleasing at all times. Like, last year I thought that team was pretty rough, and, and that wouldn't have been a very exciting team to watch. If you were an Auburn fan, you wouldn't really have liked that team. But, you know, he's had he's had them in the top ten two of the last three years. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's three years removed from the Final Four. Like, he, he has sustained that and kept them as an elite program, so at least in the conference. I, I don't want to call him just a marketer at this point because – I do feel like he's he he deserves a little bit better than that with the
1: way he sustained them. Yeah, all of that to say, they can come in tonight and take Tennessee out for sure. I mean, we this is you know, uh, you got to believe that he will have them very very wound up to play in Knoxville.
0: I think the crowds gonna be wound up to have him back too. Like I think there's a little bit of uh, hey, you used to be here, respect for what you've done, but we want to beat you and. We really want to beat this team, and I don't. I don't like Auburn's basketball program.
1: I find them to be pretty annoying. Yes, they, they get they irk me. They've got a very uh, unlikable kid. I've talked about it before. Not Katie, of course. We know about Katie Johnson, but Chad Baker Mazzara is another one who's a good player, but he is always yapping with players with refs and he's, I think he's getting more run now. I think he might be the starter if Jalen Williams is not starting. So
0: Yeah, the last update on Jalen Williams was that he was making the trip to Knoxville, but some college basketball insiders had him as very doubtful is what they were saying. They said they did not think he was going to play, but he's just going to yeah. come with the team, make the trip. So, you know, you might be getting an undermanned Auburn team. But I expect it to be a hornet's nest tonight inside of – thompson bowling arena at food city center i, I want to see a really good crowd I, you know, I expect it to be a true sellout not just an announced sellout but one that's got sellout vibes to it where it's loud the entire time despite how sam is no selling it as a student nah, i could take it or leave it i'd rather eat my well hungry man dinner right in front of the tv and have my tray out and you know sit there on my lazy boy eat my beans and, and and watch my watch my tube
1: got the folding <laughs> TV tray in front of him
0: yeah i'd rather sit at home and have a good meal
1: <laughs> rather than That's
0: pound some drink pound alone. some drinks and go race some hell like a 22 year old man should not be talking about your TV dinner and, and sitting there <laughs> and watching at home the comfort from my own couch you know it's just <laughs> These crowds really get to me. I don't really like being out in big crowds. <laughs> it's such a hassle to get back home. You all wait in line in the bathroom. I, I'd rather sit at home and watch it. <laughs> Typically, I agree, but not for the big games. Not big game, John. Yeah. The big games still get me going. Yep. Texas A&M, no. Like, you know, Bob offered me tickets to Vanderbilt the week before. I was like, nah, I'm good. I, like, I don't want to go because there is some truth to that. I'd rather watch it on TV, be at home, be able to do something else. But not for the big games. The, I have not lost my love for that, and it's sad to me, Sam, that at 22 you're already <laughs> weighing think, the cost of a free ticket of getting to the getting to the it's game. It's only
2: if one of my buddies want to go. I'm sure a lot of my buddies are going to be going. I just haven't I haven't texted them yet. Make new friends. Yeah, I, I love my buddies. Well, I, got a, saying, I got plenty of them. I'm not saying the cut them off. I'm
0: not saying get rid of your old buddies. Do you have a finite number of people in your circle? Can no. is it a is it a club situation? One in, one <laughs> in, one out type of thing? Like, sorry, we're at capacity. I got the little clicker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've sorry, I got gathered. 14 friends and I gotta wait for one falling out before I bring in somebody else.
2: Uh, nope, 12.
1: Let's go
0: make a friend. Have a couple drinks. <laughs> I do t-
1: t- agree. Go just walk, saddle up to somebody at the game and go, "Hey, I'm Sam. What's okay. up?" Well, don't do that.
0: Don't be like, "Hey, I'm Sam," but just. You know, you, you you sit there, have a couple of drinks, loosen up. You know, you
2: don't want you in there with any social anxiety. But first oh. big play, you know, big... <laughs> I don't need to have a couple a couple of white claws in me. Just there to... you go. The, you know, I don't I mean, have to. You don't. Ha- you don't. Well, I would
0: want to personally. Like I, some people are a little socially awkward. And yeah. Despite I mean, my charisma here, you know, get with, with strangers. I don't necessarily like bothering them either. Now sometimes I will, and at, at a game maybe it's a little bit different. But don't be like, hey, I'm Bob. Nice to meet you. Don't don't do that. Don't don't do that. But wait till the first big
1: play, and you know you start giving out high fives. Sure, yeah, start sure, giving sure, out sure. be a high five guy. I get it. The person that sits in front of me, where my tickets are, we have kind of become game buddies, right?
2: Yeah, I'll be a high five guy. Know. I'm not a social guy at any sporting event.
1: Well, I know, but that's how I don't guys like become to make friends.
0: Conversation. No, that's yeah, how sure. guys
1: become friends. Just give a couple of
0: high okay, fives. Yeah, and that's, that's true. And true. That's and true. That is like, true. And then maybe like, hey. It's gonna be tough for you, but be like, hey, you know, you you're going anywhere after the game? Or are we celebrating that? Now it might be a little tough for you because you know you gotta get back, and yeah. morning show takes precedence to your your friend making ability. But all it takes for to be friends in a game is just a
2: couple high fives, man. No, yeah. I can I can I can dish out some high fives for sure. I'm a vibes guy at games, Here but I'm can. not a huge like, hey man, like, where are you from? You well, know? I'm not like, saying I'm not- do that.
1: <laughs> no, do this though. High five, and then say, hey, I'm on the radio. Yeah. That yeah. go well, right? Hey, you
2: ever heard me
0: before? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Sam. You might have heard me. They're like, oh, yeah. We hate that show. Oh, yeah.
2: You're that old college kid that they talk about, huh?
0: They'd You're the
1: loser. <laughs> I didn't want to be here. I don't want to be friends with you. Aren't you, guys, <laughs> aren't you guys going to that studio that looks like a prison? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: God. Just throw out some high fives. Be vibe guy. I'll be vibes guy. Maybe pump up the crowd, yeah. look around a couple times. Yeah. There you go. Just go by yourself. You don't need to you don't need to worry about your friends. Again, I'm not saying get rid of your friends. I'm saying make new memories. That's it. It's a big game tonight. It is a big
2: game. I'm not denying that.
0: 865-546-8200 If you want to weigh in on any of the Bruce Pearl conversation as he comes back to Knoxville. 10th year as Auburn. So, I mean, he's more of an Auburn coach than a Tennessee coach now. He
1: is. I didn't realize that. That's time's flying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Huge game tonight. We'll continue the conversation on the other side. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Show me my opponent. Tennessee versus Auburn. Stats by Will, the best in the business. Coming on to preview right now. Will, scale of 1 to 100, how big is this game tonight?
3: About a 90. 90-95, I'm feeling. Is it bigger than the Alabama game? Now, that's a good point. Now, yeah, if you compare the two, this is probably bigger. But Alabama becomes a 110 out of 100 if you don't win tonight.
0: Sure. I agree with that. But, yeah, we, we, we've said that we think this game tonight is bigger Just because if you lose to Auburn, Auburn now in the driver's seat, at least to beat you in the standings in the SEC championship. Whereas if you win tonight, I think you can still afford a loss to Alabama and still have a chance. That goes out the window tonight. So, yeah, 90 tonight, which is bigger than Alabama, but a loss would then make Alabama a must win. Agree with that.
3: Yeah, and I think I want to clarify. We're saving, like, you know, 95, 97, et cetera, for postseason.
0: Yeah, this isn't do or die. This is it: win yeah. or go home. But I hate when people say it's still say very it's, important. I hate when people say it's a must-win whenever it's not like a season ender. It's not a must-win, but when you look at Auburn, what's the thing they do
3: best on film? I think they're a great, great defensive team. Really good at slowing teams down. They, it, they it's funny to think of the Iron Bowl as the big rivalry now because they do functionally play defense like Alabama. Keep everything in front of you. Uh, They don't allow many threes. They're going to run shooters off the line. But the unique thing about playing Auburn that you uh, honestly don't really get playing anybody other than, I would argue, Tennessee, they will funnel you to the rim a good bit because they're that confident Broom and Dylan Cardwell can block shots. And to be fair, they've been really smart at doing that. They're number three in the nation in a field goal percentage allowed at the rim this year despite allowing a really high uh, attempt rate
1: down there. Is it possible to say that, because I look at the same thing, Will, with, you know, Janai Broom, and now Jalen Williams sounds like they keep saying maybe game-time decision, but it doesn't seem like he would play. But if you think of Broom and Chad baker Mazar, it's almost like in some ways um, kind of protect Auburn. If Auburn can protect them from themselves, in terms of guard play, that's another that's another factor too. It's like they kind of go as Trey Donaldson and dare I say, Katie Johnson goes too.
3: Yeah, I mean it's a for for a team that I would argue their four best players are wings or forwards. They are extraordinarily high variance on offense. I mean I put it in the uh, piece they've had four games of one point three three points per possession or above, which is an amazing night against any opponent and four of .95 or lower. The only other big six team to do that this year is Baylor, who's similarly frustrating to watch. And it's because, you know, you generally know what you're gonna get from Broom and when Jalen Williams is available, you know what you're gonna get from Williams, but he's not available. Baker Mazar is good, but not a star offensively. More of he's a really great defensive player, but kind of the second option on offense. The guards just run so hot and cold that they really are a, a truly chaotic unit on offense, where, and it's not just Johnson. Trey Donaldson makes some truly horrendous decisions with the ball in his hands. Denver Jones, who is an FIU transfer that scored 20 a game last year, kind of just a role player right now. hasn't really found his stride inside the perimeter. Even Aiden Holloway, the five star freshman, second lowest two point percentage by any player in the SEC in the last 17 years. So, but the thing is. You look at all of that, and yeah, they shot 14 for 26 from three in their last game. It's just they could do that. They could shoot three of 27 like they did at App State. They have an alarmingly wide range of outcomes.
0: Statsbywill.substack.com. Go subscribe, go subscribe, go subscribe. What's Tennessee's biggest way to attack Auburn's defense?
3: I really like the idea of pushing in transition. This Auburn team, you know, it's— You'll see in the stats they don't commit a lot of turnovers, but the, my favorite, you know, coachism I guess is you know a bad shot is as good as a turnover, and Auburn loves a bad shot, buddy. Uh, when Katie Johnson's on the court, anything can be going up at any possible time, and honestly, the same with the rest of the guards. So when Auburn starts, you know, barfing up twenty-seven footers and they you know hammer off the rim, Tennessee needs to push the pace like early and often in this game. I kind of think. It's not the exact same, but it's a similar game plan to what you had for Alabama, where you're a little handsier forcing turnovers, but you're also, you know, driving them inside, you know, forcing some tougher shots and not allowing them to get back and set their defense up. When Auburn sets up a half court defense, it's really hard to pick apart. But in transition, they foul like crazy. They, it's uh, on a synergy this year. 219 field goal attempts out in transition, 118 free throws. I mean, Florida and Kentucky both got at least 10 free throws uh, in transition alone. So I, I think pushing the pace off of missed shots and turnovers is really going to be key here to pick up some
0: easy points. Where does Tennessee rank in terms of pace? Because it feels like over the last handful of games, you, you have seen Tennessee go a little bit faster and kind of pick up full court pressure and try to speed up the opponent. I've, I've noticed that against maybe some underman teams, especially. Where does Tennessee rank in pace? And am I correct in saying that we are picking it up lately?
3: Yeah, I, I think they're picking it up lately. The pace of, of the last few games has been quite a bit faster. You know, the average possession per game this year in college hoops is 68, which is, you know, <laughs> traditionally pretty low. But, you know, just the last five games 69, 72, 72, 69, 73 possessions. This one's projected at 71. Tennessee likes to play fast, especially in offense. You know, right now, average possession length, 15.8 seconds offensively, that's 25th fastest in the nation. They push the pace quick and honestly better than, I would argue, any other Barnes team. I don't think the Grant and Admiral team was as good at pushing the pace. I would honestly argue this is the best team at pushing the pace on offense since Bruce was on campus. So, uh, I mean, they do a really good job of it, but more importantly to me, you watch a Tennessee game, and you know what you're going to get. You're going to get the opponent getting down to seven, six, five, four seconds on the shot clock every other possession. Tennessee knows when to push the pace in offense, but they can really choke the life out of you on the other end.
0: Now, typically I like pushing the pace against undermanned teams, right, because I do think Tennessee has a depth advantage over most teams. I don't think that's the case over Auburn. Are they still playing 10 deep? Because I know earlier in the season they were doing full bench units. Are they still doing that?
3: So with Williams out, it's now nine deep. They did drag uh, Leor Berman, who somehow is still playing, along with Chris Moore, too, like COVID era Auburn guys, uh, out of the uh, the depths. So they're they're still technically going ten deep, but it's more like a nine right now. But the thing again is, you know, we talk about you know you'd rather have more possessions, and you know you've got the deeper team and the better team. But I'd still say you know. Given Auburn's serious struggles with fouling, the 313th in defensive free throw rate, six of the nine rotation players average four fouls or more for 40 minutes. I think you got to attack like all game long. You know, you have to make them uncomfortable. You know that K.D. Johnson is good for a couple of random frustration fouls, and you know especially you want to get Broom in foul trouble. If you get Broom in foul trouble like 10 minutes into this game. I can't really tell you where Auburn's points are going to reliably come from.
1: Let's talk for a second about a guy I've been mentioning. He he drives me nuts, but I do have respect for his game, and that's Chad Baker-Mazzara because all the histrionics you see with him on the court and all of the behavioral stuff, it seems to me, though, that he brings serious energy to that team. I mean, have you looked in your in your statistical dives that you do – uh, what kind of influence he has
3: when he's on the court for them? Well, it's funny, you know. You talk about the histrionics with him. Auburn's foul rate does go way up when he plays. There, it goes from something like you know 34 free throw attempt rate, right, which is 34 free throws for every 100 field goal attempts, to about 44 when he's out there. But at the same time, he makes the offense a lot better because he shoots 42 percent from three. And he's for a six foot seven guy who's 180 pounds. Remarkably stout defender. I mean, he is—he's very good at holding up against bigger guys. He is—I would say, honestly, their best all-around defensive player. Period. Because, you know, Broom, I think, can get in foul trouble. He's a great rim protector, but he—he he can't guard out to the perimeter. Is what I'm getting at. Baker Mazar really can guard one through five where needed, and that's—that's that's what makes him such a key piece of uh, of this attack. Do you think he gets the assignment with with Dalton? I think he has to Yeah. because, I mean, you you look at the rest of the roster, and that is really the only wing-like thing they've got available tonight because normally it would be Jalen Williams who would get that assignment. But Williams is unlikely to play. We're, I'm going to assume that he's not going to come back from what looked to be a pretty bad knee injury in 10 days. I feel like that's a safe guess. So if you don't have him, it's either Baker Mazzara or Chaney Johnson and Cheney Johnson was at a D2 team last year. So I, I do not anticipate that anybody other than Baker Mazzara is going to get the lion's share of the work there. They'll try Chris Moore out. Um, I don't feel like that's going to be terribly effective for them because they don't really rate Chris Moore, but they will try it. But the, the thing is, if you get Baker Mazzara in foul trouble and he averages four and a half fouls per 40, there's not a great backup option because like you're not going to throw – Six foot four Denver Jones on him. You're not going to put Katie Johnson on him for very long because Katie Johnson will commit two fouls. So I think if you can, if Connect can be aggressive, drive to the hoop, get some fouls on some guys, that's going to matter a lot pretty quickly.
0: You know, throughout the season, at least you know since we started the show, we've talked about here on the show. We need 14 to 16 points from Vescovy and James. I'm reading your piece, stats by Will. .substack.com and or is it substack.stats by will either way you have a number that the non-Connect players have to get to what is that number?
3: 55 so and this is I kind of thought this was the case but I didn't I hadn't bothered to research it until now when the non-Connect players score 55 or more points Tennessee is 18-1 and one. the one loss was UNC so 55 uh,
0: points you need from the non-Connect players.
3: Yeah, three and five otherwise. So it is, like, we love when Dalton has the 35, 37-point games, but you can't rely on him to do that all on his own. You've got to give him some help. So I think this is a huge game for Sakai, Vescovy, James. And really, you know, when I looked through the scout and saw Auburn struggles with post-up defense, it feels like it could be a pretty big Tove Awaka game, too.
0: Yeah, talk about Awaka and Adu playing together. Do we think that's something that makes sense tonight against Auburn? Because the emergence of Awaka makes it hard to keep him, you know, on the bench for for 25 minutes a night.
3: Yeah, I I think it's it's an interesting piece of I I don't mind seeing it. It really is just a thing that probably works against certain teams and not against others. Like, to be honest, I wouldn't run it against Alabama because I don't trust Tobey Awaka to switch very well. Sure. But that being said, I think it's gotten a lot better. I think, you know, the ADU and the Waka lineup right now sitting at a plus 37.3 net rating per 100 possessions, which just means it's, you know, really freaking good. H- how many minutes have
0: they played together,
3: Will? Not a ton. About uh, six, 65, 70. Okay.
0: So 65 minutes of sample and there were plus 35, you said? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it,
3: it's pretty good, but now the the thing is they do become very two point reliant. When those two are in the court, I mean unsurprisingly, Tennessee doesn't even take a three on three out of ten possessions So last game, it, it, it seemed becomes, like
0: that lineup was matched with Mayshack, which seemed a little head scratching to me. I'm not going to pretend to know more about basketball than than Rick Barnes, but if I'm going to play my two bigs, I want shooters out there, not necessarily a Mayshack.
3: Yeah, well, I think if you put out there you know if you have Awaka and Aju out there. I think you really have to have both Ziggler and Vescovy out there with them just to face the court. And then, you know, obviously you want Connect as the, the three. I wouldn't be upset if you put James at the three, but I don't think it's his best position as we've talked about previously. And you, you've really got to surround that lineup with shooters. Ganey maybe too. But I, I, it's one of those where I, I could see Tennessee running to this a little bit in this game, especially if they start giving up some – You know struggles on the boards, but it's going to be hard for it to make a lot of sense just because Auburn's not going to play Broom and Cardwell together, for example. So you're probably in a situation where you can get away for long stretches with James at the four, or if you want, you can go Ziegler, Vescovy, Ganey, Connect at the same time.
1: I'm going to jump off Auburn for one second because I've been paying attention to some of your posts over the last 12 hours uh we all watched that kentucky game last night and it matters to us because obviously we have kentucky coming in about 10 days what are you to make of them i mean they're i'm kind of uh confounded and fascinated by them all at the same time you know how they show up one game then they don't and then last night's game was like that whole microcosm within one game um I, I, you know, I look ahead to that last home game for Tennessee, and I just think that this team—I I can't get a read on them.
3: I don't think Kentucky fans can get a read on them. I, I think well, the the two things that are pretty obvious are the offense rocks and the defense doesn't. And we have enough of a sample size to know that. It, there is a the Kentucky writer. I respect Brandon Ramsey, who got very upset when I said that Kentucky's defense had not turned the corner, and. You know, credit to him, he watches more games than I do, but, I mean, listen, they gave up, you know, 75 on 71 possessions to LSU, 95 on 80 to Alabama, which I know it's Alabama, but still. And then last night, 89 on 73 to Mississippi State. They remind me a lot, and I mentioned this in uh, John's chat last night, uh, of the Brandon Ingram and Grayson Allen Duke team where I kept waiting the whole season for that team to look like a top-five team every night, and it just never happened, and they kind of quietly exited in the Sweet 16. That's what it feels like is coming for them. But at the same time, they still have such a high boom-and-bust ratio that, could I see them making the Final Four? Yeah, sure, why not? Could I see them losing to a 13-seat? Sure. I think anything and everything is on the table for those guys.
0: Yeah, I will say, I don't know if they've turned the corner, but I watched a lot of that Mississippi State game last night, and there was at least effort on defense. You know, they blocked a bunch of shots. They got a couple of key steals late in the game. So that is, you know, a progress from where they had been. So I don't know, again, if I call that turning the corner, but at least they seem to care on defense now. I, I thought it was pretty telling, though, that during the game they're like, Calipari, you know, he says now that the players are actually paying attention to the scouting report, and that's helped. I'm like, what? It took them 30 games to start paying attention to the scouting report? And
3: that's with a staff that doesn't even do scouts, really.
0: Well, I guess that's why they don't pay attention. There's nothing noteworthy on there.
3: <laughs> what does Tennessee
0: go down the stretch here over the next four games? What's your record prediction?
3: I'm going to go the boring route and go 3-1. and one. I think you win tonight, you protect home court. It's kind of the I mean, really, outside of one true offensive implosion, Tennessee has been just about unimpeachable at home court this year. So I I don't think you're going to lose that. I think you probably will beat Kentucky at home, given that you matched up so well with them the first time. And then you're probably going to split the Alabama-South Carolina road games. I would imagine, though, that Alabama is the loss. I I think winning at Coleman is a tough place to win. We've seen Alabama at home. We've seen them on the road. And they are way better at home than away from home. So I, I think three and one puts you at fourteen and four. And uh, you're going to need Alabama to lose a game. But I mean, they play at Ole Miss tonight. They play at Florida next week. It's definitely possible they lose one.
0: And they they play you Tennessee. Tennessee can beat. Them and they play seven. Tennessee. If you go three and one with the one loss being to South Carolina, I don't even know what that would do to me mentally.
3: That would be pretty tough to accept.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like on one hand, you can't be mad if you beat Auburn, Alabama, and Kentucky, you know, in a two-week stretch. But if you lose to South Carolina, which is a you know a perfect letdown opportunity there, without the revenge factor, of course. But you probably win the SEC championship. It, I guess you do win the SEC championship if you go three and one with a loss to South Carolina. So I guess I would lock that in, but it would have me in a little bit of a mental pretzel.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. It would it would be tough to uh, to rationalize away.
0: Is there a particular key to the game tonight that you're honed in on? Is it the 55 points from the players not named Dalton Connect, or is there something else?
3: 55 is the big one for me, and just three-pointers. It's, it's the same thing as always with Tennessee games, but especially with Auburn's chaotic behavior. They've shot 45% or better eight times, and 26% or worse ten times. So Tennessee's floor is a lot higher, but their ceiling has generally been lower. If Tennessee hits forty percent in this game, they're winning, like full stop. But uh, I, I gotta see a game where you know Auburn's not you know fourteen for twenty six to feel super confident. Will Warren stats
0: by will dot com. Sometimes I get that mixed up. It's because you don't even need to type in the the address on your little website because. You don't need to go to it because Will will deliver it to you directly to your email. That's where I read all the game previews. That's where I read all of your pieces. They go right to your inbox. So go sign up, subscribe, statsbywill.substack.com. Get all of the best information directly to your email. Follow him on X, formerly known as Twitter. Stats by Will, appreciate you and your time as always, my friend. Thanks for
3: having me on. Thank you, Will.
1: feel any better um I like
0: I feel more informed I, I like the the 55 point stat yeah because we've been trying to kind of figure that out ourselves right in terms of you know we've been doing it with vescovy and Josiah and, and more about their output but maybe it's not just them too whenever you have Jonas and Zakai scoring at their level and you know trying to piece together some points from awadka and and other players so 55 18 and 1 three and five when they don't do it, so that's that's pretty
2: telling. I got me fired up. Love I've, stats like that. I, yeah,
1: I've got another one, too, that we don't talk about. I mean, there definitely the games where we see Ganey, I don't even think it needs to be double figures, but if Ganey's getting seven, eight points, that's, that's a difference maker, too, typically.
0: Yeah, it was pointed out to me. I've been giving everybody a fake stat, and I will say that it's not my fault. Well, it's not solely my fault. I'll take a little blame, but... I, I I trust the worldwide leader in sports. I understand that, you know, good journalists, they, they check multiple sources and they do a little bit more vetting, but I'm not a journalist and I trust ESPN. Cameron Carr is not undefeated this year. He he, <laughs> he got in for like 20 seconds against North Carolina and missed a three and got pulled out. So, But it, it doesn't show up on the ESPN game log. So I just go to his game log and it says win, 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 win. And the ten games he played, or whatever, and then finally someone's like, "Well, actually, are you just ignoring North Carolina?" And I was like, "Damn it!" Because then I looked on like my Yahoo app on my phone, and yeah, sure enough, he he had a minute there and and missed a shot, so I have to retire.
1: Now you can yeah, now say no, no, when it's a Cameron Car game where he braids his hair, he's one to zero. So I mean, like the eight
0: if, if the eighteen and one fifty five game stat works, then I could say you know something because that, that coincides. Yeah.
2: No, it's that North Carolina game. is just yeah. an outlier, yeah. right? Like
0: North, the North Carolina game, throw it's a it throwaway. out. away. <laughs> undefeated in games, Cam Carr plays undefeated when players not named Doc Connect scores fifty-five points in games that didn't immediately follow a trip to Hawaii, <laughs> yes. to and from Hawaii. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. That. The gainy stat I'm looking at: the loss to South Carolina, zero points. The loss to Texas A&M, four points. The loss to Carolina, 11. The loss to Kansas, 13. 15 to Purdue. So, no.
2: He was no, playing well in that Maui tournament, though. Yeah, well, I, I know.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, but you, it didn't lead to wins. I, I'm, think, I'm thinking yeah. post his slump. So, maybe since Zakai got healthy. Because yeah. he was having to do more. And I think I think if you had healthy Zakai against Purdue and Kansas, you'd probably win at least, yeah. at least one of those games. I, w- I won't say both, but... You win at least one of those games. Do we agree on that? 100. percent Oh yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe Gainey's workload got a lot less whenever Zakai got healthy and was
2: playing at a all SEC level. Now that we're moving the goalposts on the stats, like I barely even view the Purdue game as a loss. Honestly, with how many fouls got called. <laughs> That's true. You got to like... throw that
0: one out too. It's in <laughs> Hawaii. The officiating was inconsistent
2: and. You know, it was a football game on both yeah. sides. you,
0: you got to throw that one out. I don't view us losing to Purdue, honestly. in like, yeah. Kansas, you know, that was a deflating game. That was a third game in three days. Who the hell plays three games in three days? The NBA doesn't even do that. They tried during the lockout, and the players, like, rebelled. Like, no, we're not doing it. It's mm-hmm. so like th- the third game in three days. You, you can't even count that. So, really. You can throw out three of our losses. You kind of went undefeated <laughs> at Maui, as far as I'm concerned, or wherever the hell the tournament was. Honolulu. <laughs> tell
1: you i do i'd love to play kansas again though after oh yeah watching them last night oh they stink yeah they can't score well well mcculler's out which obviously is a factor but they they're not they're not that good they're, they we've always said they're not deep and now they're down a player a star player so
0: your loss to purdue zakai went two of eleven one of seven from three scored five points against kansas oh for six oh for four from three zero points you lost to North Carolina, 9 points, 3 of 8, played a little bit better. So, like, early season on, like, you know, the, when you did struggle in Maui, Like if, if you get the zakai that's in control now and playing at a high level, like, again, I, I think you, you win those games. Even the assist numbers, you know, 0 against Kansas. Yeah, he was
2: bad to start the year. 0 Just...
0: against Purdue. I believe that's right. Let me make sure that's the right thing. Nope, no, that's not the right thing. Still getting over that knee. 3, three
2: th- against 3 Purdue. against Purdue and 2 against Kansas. So, it, not 0, but not much better. It's clear the numbers that you can see when Zakai started to feel healthy, you know:
0: Yeah, I mean, it really just looks like it clicked for him starting against North Carolina State. yeah, and maybe Connect and Jonas being sick, and you know Josiah and Zakai happened to win that game for them, maybe that got him back and got his confidence back. I don't know if it was just a health thing as much as it was like, a, "Hey, I'm, I'm healthy, I just don't have my confidence back." Yeah, yet. yeah. Because they say that's like the big thing about injuries, right? It takes the, it's the mental mm-hmm. hurdle that athletes have to get over. Got the ability on the court. But yeah, and then he scored 20 points against North Carolina State and then reeled off a really good stretch.
1: Yeah, and that six game stretch, you know, just ballpark, and he averaged close to 20 a game and about six, seven assists a game. Yeah. I mean, that's strong. Yeah.
0: Has really only had a couple clunkers since then. I mean, I, I didn't think he was, was like. Great against Alabama the first go around, but you didn't need him to be. I didn't think he was great against Vandy. You didn't really need him to be. South Carolina, he kind of stunk. But since the South Carolina game, he's back to playing at a high level. Like, he's been really good basically in every game except AM. But, I mean, that was just a, a situation where you just weren't making shots as a team. So there's a couple of stats and caveats and, and benchmarks this team needs to hit. Cam Card needs to play. We need 55 points. And we need Zaki not to have torn his ACL, uh, you know, recently before the game, or at least have some games under his belt since the ACL tear. That's it. We're pretty damn good when that's the case. Hour two in the books. We'll we'll talk more about the SEC in general in hour three. It's championship time, baby. Let's go. Stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. White. Overrated, underrated is brought to you by Logo Solutions, powered by SM Athletics. If you are a business owner, a club director, or a member of a social organization, and you have a logo and need merchandise, do I have an answer for you, or do I have a solution for you? That's right. You can check out Logo Solutions, powered by SM Athletics. You have a logo... They have a solution from custom apparel to headwear and promotional items. Logo Solutions is your one-stop shop for all of your branded merchandise needs. Made right here in East Tennessee. Give them a call for all your logo needs. 865-966-3434. That's 966-3434. Let's play some overrated, underrated.
2: Overrated. Very overrated. It's overrated. Overrated, my friend. Overrated. I'm going to tell you why. I think that's a
3: solid rated right there. Perfect rated. He underrated, man. He has some swag. He has some real swag. Lobsters are underrated. They don't die.
2: Alrighty. A little bit of overrated, underrated. Alrighty. Here we go. Overrated, underrated, drafting offensive weapons over offensive line. I
0: gotta say it's probably underrated. Would you agree or disagree that Cincinnati made the right pick by taking Jamar Chase over Suel? Now both are all pros, both are really good, but do you think that... Cincinnati made the right pick there, because I would say that, yes,
2: they did. Yeah, I would say so, too. But I also would say they probably wouldn't have gone wrong with Sewell right now, too. I don't know.
0: Are the Bengals not drastically different if it's Sewell and T. Higgins as their number 1? Because yeah. I don't think T. Higgins is the number 1
2: receiver. I was going to add, they had T. before Chase, right? They, they had him for one year before Chase? I, I believe Chase. T.
0: is, yeah, yeah, one year ahead of Chase. Yeah, it'd be interesting for sure. Because I think that'd be a drastically different team, and Burrow's great, but if you told me his receivers were T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, that seems like a less dangerous team. Yeah. Now, of course, the Lions, you know, they were able to have Penay Suel, and he's it taken them to to being a, having the best offensive line in the league, or at least one of. But they also kind of struck gold with Amon Ross St. Brown. So it's kind of weird, because like I think if the Lions took. Sewell. Is it Sewell or Su-L? Uh, Su-L. I Sewell? I do it's Sewell. I don't know. But if they took him and didn't have Amon-Ross-St. Brown, that offense looks a lot different. They wouldn't have as, as much explosiveness. So it's kind of weird that they were able to kind of check both boxes. But maybe the key comes down to if you're at the top of the draft, there's, there's a better chance that your offensive lineman is going to be good. And maybe that's the safe pick.
1: Bob? I think it's underrated. Uh, it's a tough one because there's the whole argument that you, you know, Kind of feel like like an offensive lineman for example it's kind of the foundation to the house right i mean i think that that's you have to have stability there but it's a league that is based mostly on scoring these days and on offense and so weapons matter it matters from a from a fan perspective selling tickets all those things so i i think uh i think it's probably a little underrated myself too however if i play devil's
0: advocate to myself The gap between the first linemen taken versus, like, the second and third round linemen, that's probably a lot wider than the gap between the first receivers taken versus the guys in the second and third round, right? 100%. I mean, you can find A.J. Brown in the second round.
2: I think that's what makes the argument so interesting.
0: You can find Antonio Brown in, the what was it, the fifth round? Yeah. Amon Ra, I believe, was, was he a fourth rounder or a third rounder? I think fourth rounder. I don't I I can't tell you how many like all pro tackles have been drafted outside of the first round. Probably not many, right? Yeah. But the wide receivers, you can find those guys later on and and get just as good of production. I know Jamar Chase has been great, but like from that perspective, I got to say Sam I'm I'm flip-flopping. I'm going it's a little overrated because okay. I do think I do think just if you're looking for an all pro player, it's a better chance that you're going to ha- find one at left tackle. Yeah early in the draft versus late in the draft.
1: Well, yeah. I think you touch on something interesting, too, because it's almost like weapons might need to be clarified. It's like is it a, that's a quarterback or receiver. Because running backs, I don't think – or I, I would say that that would – if you think about it, a running back, I think that would be overrated to me overall. Unless you're getting a Christian McCaffrey, there's just not that many that have – You know, done that well. And you go out and can get like a James Robinson a couple of years ago that produced for a couple of seasons and did great.
0: Yeah, sure. Like the tight end, throw that in there too. Like that's the argument people have made against Brock Bowers. I think wide receiver is kind of the only skill position player, you know, outside of quarterback, obviously, that you look at and say worth a first round pick. But I do think every stud offensive lineman in the league is a first round pick, basically, because. They have the size and athleticism, and, like, that's the stuff that jumps off the film and jumps out of the combine, and there aren't very many diamond in the rough offensive linemen. So I got to go, it's actually overrated, Sam. Give me the offensive linemen, especially if we're looking (laughs) from the Titans standpoint. Give me offensive linemen. Yeah, okay. Even give me the second offensive lineman over a tackle, or, excuse me, over a uh, wide receiver. Gotcha.
2: All right, overrated, underrated Arizona basketball.
0: I feel like it's underrated just as a whole. I get that they haven't won big recently, but I never think of them as an elite program, or at least as like a blue blood. But, like, growing up, I used to. They matter. Maybe they're kind of a little bit of a sleeping giant in terms of, like, breaking through and winning championships and stuff. But, like, the Lute Olson days, I mean, he was one of the premier coaches in basketball, right? I mean, was he ever thought of as the best basketball coach, Bob?
1: No, but he was definitely, like, Top five.
0: Yeah, I remember the year. You know, with with um, Luke Walton, where they kind of went. Were they undefeated that season, or they maybe lost once going into the tournament? I know I said I just remember it and didn't yeah. remember the details, but
1: I thought maybe they were even undefeated. Well, they had know. most of that team come back from the team that won with Miles Simon and others, and they got. I think Utah knocked them out in the tournament yeah. that year, um, but that's interesting I, I I'd say this is two parts for me I think they're maybe underrated as a whole but to me this season I feel they're overrated um, we've been talking about this the fact that they're on the cusp of a one seed in the tournament and they're a great team don't get me wrong but uh, they've they had a, a pretty bad loss to Stanford and you know they're playing in a conference that's hobbled and it's you know limping to the finish line in its last season so i think this year they're a little overrated but by and large i would say underrated
0: what
2: did they do last year in the tournament lost to princeton if it wasn't for
0: lost for princeton in the first round
2: yeah if it wasn't for purdue losing the yeah losing yeah yeah, if if it wasn't for that Purdue loss, I think that Arizona would be the talk of Yeah, was, was that I don't even remember guy. it. Exactly. That was a, what
1: a 215.
2: 215, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I do I remember that. I think Purdue now. happened the day after it or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like no, it was a complete afterthought because I, of I that. do
0: remember cuz I kind of liked that Arizona team. Yeah,
2: see, I, that was my national title pick, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Oh, They were good. Yeah.
0: And the year before they were good too, right? They were, like, yeah. That was the year they were a one seed, right? Cuz I remember betting me, me and when me and I was down in Tampa. And yeah, I was betting on them to win the Pac 12 championship and mm-hmm. they were once and they they had a disappointing exit there in that tournament too, I'm pretty sure. So maybe, maybe Tommy Lloyd's not a tournament coach. Just like the coach he learned under for years. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's got <laughs> that Gonzaga thing going where he's not a tournament coach.
2: Maybe. All right. Uh overrated, underrated. They popped up in the in the sporting world yesterday. The Cleveland Cavaliers.
0: Uh, properly rated. They're properly rated. They're a, They're just like the Knicks, except maybe they're a poor man's Knicks team. Okay, it seems like they're overrated. <laughs> well, I mean, like, who thinks of them as a title contender? Not right. me. No, I agree. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. They're solid, but like, they're not. They're probably not going to win a playoff series. That's the way I rate them. Do you think they win a playoff series?
1: Because I don't. I think they win a playoff series.
0: Really? But against because like. To me, I think you go ahead and pencil in for sure that the Celtics are winning a playoff series. Would you say that the Bucks win a playoff series this year? Probably. Okay, so there's two spots. Um, I guess when you're looking at the third, I guess now that Embiid's hurt, maybe if he's not back. That's, you, that's what I'm thinking.
1: But, honestly. like, I
0: think the Knicks are better. The Knicks are going to win a playoff series this year. So, like, I guess, are the Cavs at fourth spot? Maybe. Maybe they win one. Depends on who the seeds are. But, like, I don't know, like, they're not a top five team, or they're not a top four team in the East, in my opinion. So like, it's you can't win a playoff series if you're not a top four team. Like, if they match up against the Heat in a playoff series, who are you taking? The Cavs or the Heat? Because I'm taking the Heat.
1: Uh, that's a tough one. I would say if they're in a four or five series with the Knicks, for example, that'd be a tough one. I'd say I'd probably take the Knicks. Yeah, because um, I mean we had,
0: we saw that series last year and the Knicks punked them.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: the Cavs kind of got that stench on them of like, hey. You're a solid regular season team that tries hard but you're not you can't take it up a level in the
1: playoffs. But I guess that's what I'm thinking is if the Sixers continue to slide a little and Embiid doesn't come back and they slide to like a five seed sure. and the Cavs are a four seed, I think the Cavs can take them.
0: Yeah, yeah. If the if the Sixers are the matchup and Embiid's not there, but if Embiid does play and has had at least, you know, a week to get in shape, I think he would have Jared Allen and Mobley and Hell and, and dominate that series. But Yeah.
1: But it, to the question of are they overrated or underrated, I, I think you may be right. Uh, I'm agreeing with you a lot today, but probably properly rated. Takes. Probably got, properly rated. I, got, I mean, I we were we, we were talking about this because they had that uh, incredible win last night uh, against Dallas. Uh, Max Struess went nuts for about two minutes, but uh, they're quietly having a really really good season. They're very hot, but you know. We talked also about Donovan Mitchell being your guy, and he's again. I feel he's like a stat stuffer, not much of a winner when it comes to postseason. So they're the number two seed right now. Yeah, which crazy. is surprising. That's crazy.
0: I, you know, with the with the Cavs, I've done a one eighty. I want to go ahead and I'm officially on record. You can't win with small guards in the NBA. I am a team trade Trey. Let's get Trey out of there this off season. But like, I think Cleveland's going to run into that to themselves. Like. They did last year. They, when Garland and Mitchell are your backcourt, you're kind of at a, a disadvantage when right. it comes to playoff matchups. Whenever you don't have one guy with any size, and I know Mitchell's got a long wingspan or whatever, but he's he's a small guard. Team J- trade trade though, by the way, get rid of him. Build around Jalen Johnson. Jared Allen's turned into a nice pro, better than I thought, really, for sure. But on the flip side, Mobley's been a little disappointing, right, as, as what we thought he was going to be as the. Well, the number two pick, I believe. and He was, yeah. He looked like he was going to be, like, the next Kevin Garnett is kind of what people have thought he could get to, and he seems a long way away from that to the point where they might need to trade him this offseason.
1: I was thinking of Max Strus last night, and I know there's been some, uh, I was going to say connections, but then that sounds punny with uh, Dalton Connect, but maybe that's true. Maybe there is some of that, like, there's some like likeness there in terms of how they play and... Um, I was saying he wasn't athletic enough, but I watched those highlights last night. He can play, man. Between who? Strews. And, yeah. And Dalton Connect. Yeah. Strews is good. Yeah. And
0: I think he's one of those guys that's sneaky athletic. I think he's got a little bit more pop than you would think.
1: Life's probably good for him, too. He's, like, a pretty good-looking guy and playing ball, balling out. Nice life.
0: I mean, it's cool to hit the – I mean, because he was, what, 50? I think he got credit for being 59 feet away. Yeah. So that's cool. That's a great moment. He is a good-looking guy, makes a lot of money. But Bob, keep in mind he moved from Miami to Cleveland. Oh, I know. Yeah. It was a lot better for him in Miami, I would imagine. Yes. Is he kind of is he like a pretty good defensive guy? I think he's fine. Like I I think he's it's not a strength of his, or I don't think it's a strength of okay. his. But like, I mean, I don't think you can play for Miami, right? And the Heat culture and not It'd be a be good a at least a, <laughs> at least not be like a an average defender. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe though, maybe Max Strus is a difference for the Cavs. You know, maybe he, they they needed a guy at the three position last year. They didn't have one. I think they were playing like Isaiah Akoro as the three, or I think that's who it was. Yeah, and like he can't play at that level. And he, and maybe Strus can come there and bring some some NBA Finals experience and show these guys how to win the playoffs. Maybe there's some disappointment there.
1: Wasn't Okoro – He was a lottery pick, wasn't he? I think, I think number six
0: overall, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Am I confusing him with Okiki? Which one's in? Okiki's in Orlando, and Okoro's in, in Cleveland. Okay. No, Okoro's in Cleveland. Yeah, okay. Right. Anything else, Sam?
2: Dippin' Dots. The ice cream of the future? <laughs> That's all I had. Does anybody you know, rate Dippin' I've
0: Dots done. anymore? Do they even sell Dippin' Dots anywhere besides the mall? I Sporting guess events. I guess sporting it's events. some sporting events, but like where? Where? Like I've seen it at a like, Smokies game before, games. but where at?
2: I think most baseball games. I think the Vols sell them. Okay.
0: Yeah, maybe I did see it there, too. Why? I love it. I love Dippin' Dots. Underrated
1: for me. I yeah, love them. You underrated. guys are still <laughs> holding
0: on to your Dippin' Dot stock? <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: Yeah. I, that's the biggest problem with ice cream. If you're at a sporting event, it's kind of hot, melts quick. Dippin' Dots. The dots don't melt. Well, they eventually, but it takes a lot longer. You get it in
2: the bag too, like it's not getting over your hands or anything yeah. like that. They br- they put it in a bag. Oh yeah. Have you not had Dippin' Dots before? But I, mean, I had dip them in a cup too. When I had Dippin' Dots, yeah, I was in a cup. Yeah, that was
0: probably at the mall at yeah. a sporting event. They give you the bag. Yeah, I think I got and Dots at the mall, and I remember getting Dippin' Dots at Dollywood. As a kid, it's cool, but no, like to me, oh, they're ice great cream as an
2: adult, they're even better as an adult. I think.
0: No, to me, ice cream doesn't need to be changed, bro. Just give me two scoops, <laughs> put it in a cone, and let me go to town. I ate a waffle cone, two scoops of chocolate ice cream last this past weekend. I was in heaven, and I was like, "This is the way ice hey, cream should be." There's nothing
2: wrong with a waffle cone.
0: I know there's not, but by definition, trying to change ice cream is going to be overrated. Because I don't need an ice cream of the future. Because guess what, Dippin' Dots, the ice cream of the present
2: and the past, pretty damn good. Is it considered ice cream, Dippin' Dots? What are they considered?
0: I mean, I don't know, Sam. But their tagline was ice cream of the future. That's what they—that's what they deemed themselves as. Yeah, it's ice cream. But like, I don't need that. I just need. Now, you know, if I'm scooping it, I might have a different answer. Maybe the people who work at Dippin' Dots are happier just getting to easily scoop it out versus having to really dig down there and make sure it rolls up into the cone and everything.
2: But no, overrated. So what's your favorite flavor then, Bob, if John's not a Dippin' Dots guy? I'm not even going to ask him.
1: Um... Well, probably the same flavor I like with regular ice cream, like a mint chocolate chip type. Really? Of vibe. Okay. Yeah,
2: I go for like the rainbow ones, like the sherbet kind of flavored instead of ice cream. I agree. I'm, so you're I, not
1: even an ice cream guy. You're eating. No,
2: sherbet. I'm a. I yeah, exactly. Like I'd rather get an ice cream cone if I'm going to get Ugh. ice cream. I don't want little frozen ice cream balls like I, Dippin' Dots. But I, I like the rainbow
1: ones. To be clear, I love ice cream. I love ice cream. I'm just saying in the type in the right scenario, where I'm I'm kind of fastidious. I don't necessarily like having a mess. So Dippin' Dots. That never happens with them. That's all.
0: Can you not like the cone fast enough, Bob? Because I don't make sometimes, a mess. I some, just go to town. Just, well, like some, a cow. What if
2: you're at like a, a 95 degree baseball, yeah. Sometimes game. you, can. you uh, can't.
0: You can't move. I get shaved ice. I don't get ice cream in 95 degree it's heat. That's, well, that gets sticky if it starts. Who the hell wants milk in general when it's 95 degrees outside? Ah, you get the rainbow I, ones, and it's sure. I, I know that some <laughs> say milk's what keep. That's what my dad used to say when it was really hot on the farm. Just get your cold glass of milk. It'll cool you down. I'm like, I don't want to drink milk when it's 95 degrees, no, Dad. I, I'm good I agree on that. With but I don't want ice cream it's 95 degrees either. It's too Especially, I want to be out in the heat. I don't want that dairy in my stuff.
1: When, when I'm down in Florida and it's super hot, I and I love an ice cream cone. But it, even then, I'll get ice cream in a cup because I got to control it, man. Can't be, you can't be chasing it all the time around the, you know, looking I, around the cone and all that.
0: I don't even fool with ice cream in a cup. It's Damn either man. milkshake or cone. Is for me. I don't even mess with the cup. I'm loyal to a cone. But if it's 95 degrees, I'm getting a shaved ice. I'm finding me a snow biz. I'm finding me one of those flavored ice things. That's what I'm getting. Houston tweet texts in, and just says, two scoops of chocolate, question mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, question mark. Is he saying that two scoops are too many? Or is he saying I'm too basic just for getting chocolate? What, what's the implication there, Bob, when you see Houston say, two scoops of chocolate, exclamation question, exclamation exc- Is that all
1: you got? Yeah. That's what I think he's saying.
0: But, uh, that it's...
1: Yeah, That's fattening to get two
0: scoops or that I'm no, more? No, I think no, you're no, saying no. Like that's rookie
2: numbers.
1: Yeah, like you got to pump that yeah, up a little
2: bit. Saying to get three scoops? Yeah. No,
1: no, no, no. This, this I ice think that, cream cone is huge. I, I took it more about the flavor. Maybe the flavor was like, hey, man, do something besides chocolate and vanilla. Absolutely not. Chocolate is delicious.
0: I love If chocolate. I could eat one flavor hey, of ice cream.
1: Get a chocolate shake made with chocolate ice cream, and then you're living. I'm telling you, that's phenomenal.
0: It's 930 a.m., 941 a.m., and I'm hankering for some sweets right now. I'm going to go to find me a milkshake at 10.30. I'm going to go to Wendy's. Dynamic pricing. The, the Frosty <laughs> should be free right now. No one else is ordering a Frosty right now at
1: 10.30. And that's the, the last thing I'll say about this is, uh, if you ever heard Shaka Smart, that's their big, for his team, their big reward is milkshakes. Nice. Like, they get a big win. It's milkshakes. And I love a milkshake more than the ice cream, really. So Yeah,
0: see, no, I'm, there's nothing better to me than a nice cone. And waffle cone is pretty good. A nice cone and just a basic ice cream. Now, you know, I'll I'll mix it up every now and get the cookies and cream. Get a little Oreo in there. But, no, the goat is just a good chocolate ice cream cone for me. So good. I like
1: the
2: sugar cone, not the waffle cone. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I like a good basic chocolate chip ice cream, too. That can work if it's done well. It's got to be done well. It's got to have enough chocolate chips in it.
0: The sugar cone isn't big enough for me. Sure. The sugar cone only works when you're getting, like, as a little – Soft serve treat, like the Jason's Deli. Yeah, yeah, I love a good. God, like a, I could. Or like sleep. on a cruise, the ice cream thing oh, up there. Yeah, oh. like we used to go to the Western Sizzling after oh. church, and you know, like you eat a big meal, you get a little t- treat, and then the bottom, the last bite of the yep, cone. That's is so exactly good. Why, yeah. But
1: no, I like the big waffle cone. It's just so much bigger. Sure, sure. Houston's sure. saying basic, live a little. That's so what it was. It was about the flavor. Chocolate's delicious.
0: There's some things you don't need to reinvent the wheel on. I understand that some people want to live it up with all these different flavors, but there's a reason chocolate and vanilla are the OGs, the standard. All right, last. There's a reason Coca-Cola, <laughs> the basic,
1: is the standard. All right, the last thing, and we got to hit a break, but then what are your thoughts on a good blizzard where they, oh, yeah. no, they no, no, take no, a good, good stuff, break it up, yeah. Yeah. mix it in? No,
0: yeah. I love me a good yeah. blizzard. I love me a good McFlurry, but, yeah. you know, yeah. get some some Oreo chunks in there, and then I get I get to count and, like, Hmm, Sonic it doesn't look like there's a lot of Oreos in this Oreo blast and then it makes me mad. But yeah, I don't want I don't want them making me a cone and doing all that while I'm driving. No, no, no. Mm. Uh, ice cream cone for me is when I'm walking downtown or I'm walking somewhere or I'm sitting. Like I don't want to be <laughs> driving eating an ice cream cone. Well, what would a, I look like as a grown-ass a great man? great
2: visual is you walking down, like, Market Square with yeah. an ice cream cone.
0: Love it. I love it. Just
2: strolling along.
0: Just strolling along. Not a care in the world. But, like, what would I look like as a man walk, driving, trying to lick an ice cream cone? No, I can't do that. So, yeah, no, I love me a good blizzard.
1: Okay, last thing, I swear. My father-in-law once got an ice cream cone because he was driving and they gave it to him and it was a mess. He just took it he just, just threw it out and left. En- enough. Yeah, it was, like, yeah. not doing
0: it. You see the way Bob lit up? He's like Trey and Rick when we talk WrestleMania. Bob's been waiting to get his ice cream dessert takes off. <laughs> yes. We need
2: some more we'll look, look uh, uh, noted on overrated, underrated. i have yeah. some dessert topics.
0: We'll yeah. look at the SEC as a whole. We'll look at the SEC schedule tonight. Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama with a big game. It's championship season here on The Morning Show.